0: Hello everybody. Before we get started with the show, I just wanted to take a moment on behalf of David and myself to dedicate this episode to Mr. Roger Rooker Sr. Our good buddy Roger Rooker just let us know recently that his dad, who was a tremendous fan of the Black Crows and a big fan of Eddie Harsh, passed away after battling a rather serious illness. Our heart goes out to Roger. He's always been a very big supporter of this podcast. We want to say how truly sorry we were to learn... Of the passing of uh, Mr. Rooker Sr. So we'd like to dedicate this episode to him. Thanks for everything you do, Roger, and may your father rest in peace.
1: Hi, this is Lala Slotman, and you're listening to the State of America podcast.
2: Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America, hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road.
0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, my good buddy, David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? I am well, sir. I am well. I am excited to see you. It's been a little bit, and I'm glad we're here doing this intro for an episode I am very excited about. Because this week, we are welcoming back our good friend, Lala Slopman, to the program. The sister of the podcast. That's what I told her she is. That's right. That's right. I, I admittedly came up with this topic as an excuse to have Lala back on, but I was interested to hear her take on some of these songs. What we did was we gave her the choice of her top 10 Black Crow songs. And I'm sure, like most of us fans, those change on the daily. But she came up with a really interesting list, some deep cuts in there and, and things. And it was really cool to get some of her background and her personal experiences
3: with these songs. You're not kidding, deep cuts. Yeah, the first, right out of the gate, she's a deep cut. Right out of the gate, we're firing on all cylinders. Yeah, she, Um, I, I have, you and I both have become like legit friends with her. Mm-hmm. And she is a, just a super sweet, nice person. And, uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know her, but, uh, this at times was hard for her. I think a little bit, you're going to hear in this and she, but she's very open and, and doesn't, you know, hide her feelings or anything, but it's positive. It's a positive, it's a positive time. It's not, uh, she isn't putting anybody down or anything like that. No, no. And and you're
0: absolutely right. I mean, uh, Lala's just one of those people that you just want to be around and and talk to because she's just very genuine and it's it's very nice to have become friends with her and, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that. So, you know, we had a lot of fun doing this and
3: I think everybody's going to enjoy listening. At least I hope everybody's going to enjoy listening. Hey, before we get on to the interview and everything, we need to welcome our newest patron, Alec Vasquez. Uh, I want to thank him for jumping on board with us we had a uh, a really good month in january with patreon we had a let's see we had a nice zoom hang several good bonus episodes several good patreon radios lots of giveaways so if you want to join us on that just go to patreon.com and type in state of more i promise you you're going to get your 10 dollars worth
0: yeah absolutely i mean we've been having a great old time on the patreon and and february is going to be just as great i, I know individually we've got stuff planned collectively we've got stuff planned and also want to thank people for really turning out and supporting the first episode of the state of Morgan album club Got a really good uh, response a lot of good feedback on that and the next episode coming out will cover blackberry smokes whippoorwill but uh really glad so many people enjoyed it
3: yeah i am too. i think it's a fun thing we'll do um i don't know six or seven a year i think the one after Blackberry Smoke's going to be Rainbow Rising, and then we're going to do Pink Floyd's "Wish You Were Here." So we, um, in in addition to Patreon, we've got some stuff coming our way here in the next couple of months. it's a lot of stuff. We're going to be giving a lot of it away uh, to people that are on Patreon. We don't want to forget about you guys because you guys are the ones that made the podcast successful. And let's see what else do we have, Ian? Oh, we've got a tribute to Boa that we've been working on. That's going to be very very special. Some people. Very, very, very tight with him and deep, deeply embedded in that community have agreed to come on. Half of the interviews are recorded. We still have two more to go, but that one's going to be real, real special. We've really been taking our our time with that one.
0: Yeah, we wanted to really make it something special. And, uh, you know, I know some time has elapsed since Boa passed, but like David said, we just want to have everything be just right. You know, fitting tribute to the man. But uh, aside from that, I think it's also worth mentioning that the Crows were in Vegas
3: over this past Super Bowl weekend. They uh, have been making Vegas their home a lot. This is like the fourth time, in it, since they started the Shake Your Money Maker thing, or since the reunion? Yeah, they did a couple of short residencies there, and uh seems to be some good uh, set lists coming out of there, a little more varied up. Give us Exit and be Bewildered, guys. <laughs> One they, do, they do, it seems like all the dates that I've seen so far are just festival dates for the summer, which I was kind of hoping for a proper tour. I hope that it's not just going to be festival dates.
0: Yeah. I've never been a a huge festival guy because it never lines up enough with enough people that I want
3: to see. You know, I, I I mean, the few I've been to, I've enjoyed, I mean, I've been to some huge ones. Obviously Lollapalooza was, was a real big one. That should be the title of this episode. Lollapalooza. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you may have just hit on something there I might have <laughs>
0: but uh yeah other than that you know uh all quiet on the western Front so to speak but uh you know I'm looking forward to whatever 2023 has to bring for the black crows and uh very hopeful for new record little snippet that was heard at one
3: point of some riffs or a riff perhaps uh sounded promising yeah get in the studio guys give us some new material go on tour with it we're sitting here holding dollar bills. I know. Take my money. <laughs> take our money in that Southern Harmony box set. Take our money.
0: But, uh, well, since we don't have new music to focus on, let's uh, take a trip back with Miss Lala Sloatman and discuss some of the classics in the Crows catalog. What do you say?
3: Sounds good. Here's Lala. We are really happy today to welcome back our friend. And she is our friend. She sent us handwritten Christmas cards. Yes, Uh, It's our good buddy, Lala Slotman. Lala, how are you?
1: Hi, you guys. How are you doing? Thank you for having me back.
3: We've been looking forward to this one. Ian came up with this idea probably about three months ago, wasn't it, Ian? Yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah, so um, oh,
1: it's your fault, Ian. I yeah, can give you a big, a big old cup of shut the fuck up for giving me the <laughs> hardest list <laughs> I've ever had in my life. He needs two. He needs two or three. He
3: needs two or three cups of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right It, yeah, yeah, I, it one one does not work. So,
3: <laughs> so um, Ian's idea for this I thought was a, a really good one. Obviously, you were around during what most people consider the classic era of of the band. And uh, you have a unique point of view. And one of the favorite things about that interview we did with you was you describing a little bit about the writing process that Chris does. And and Ian decided, let's let her give us her top 10 Black Crow songs. And they don't have to be in any order or anything like that. And just get her thoughts on them, because uh, uh, I think people are going to really want to hear this. It was uh, it was purely a selfish concern. I really just wanted to
0: know what they were. so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. I took it very seriously, and I, I, um, I wanted to, to like sort of span my uh, horizon of knowledge of the records because I, I really am only familiar with what I, I, what, when I met Chris, I, I, of course, knew she talks to angels and hard to handle, and I, they were very popular, and I hadn't, but I hadn't, I, I had to do a little bit of i think i talked to you guys about this i had to to my friend gave me a videotape of like the some sort of spring break show where chris did a version of remedy that was just mind-blowing and um i i like had to sort of learn about the band because i didn't really it wasn't my thing at that point i was huge into hip-hop like de la soul and tribe called quest and this wasn't my genre even though I sort of, at this point, I can't, you can't pinpoint a genre onto me. I just love any kind of music. I'm such a, music's my favorite thing. It's the thing that, that, that motivates me, that, that gets me into a mood or transforms a mood. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that gets goosebumps when I hear certain, a certain melody. And so I love this. I took it very seriously. I wanted to, to Listen to records I hadn't listened to before, and that was a little tr- a little um, trying because I don't know them. You know what I mean? I I haven't listened to "By Your Side" and "Lions" and anything really after that. Uh, I I only know the first five or six records. So I I listened to some other songs. And of course, I included Tall, Taller, the Taller Sessions. Is that Mm what it's referred Mm -hmm. to? Because that that record, I definitely remember. It was a little bit different when it had been finished. Um, It was different than what has been put out. And some songs have moved around, too, like By Your Side. uh, Some things have changed names. I think there was Miracle to Me. Mm -hmm. That one, I feel like I remember
3: All right, so why don't we just start? You just give us your first one. And like I said, they're in no particular order.
1: Okay, so Bewildered is one of my first ones.
3: Going yeah. deep,
1: <laughs> and look, it's right here on paper. <laughs> Something about the melody of that song. I know, so I, I, somebody posted on YouTube. Like I was looking up the lyrics for each song that I was thinking of of picking, or um, any song I was listening to that I wasn't sure of. I want I want to know what I was, what the fuck I was talking about. So <laughs> trying to know what I'm talking about. So I looked at bewildered lyrics and and I found them and they it said something that wasn't the lyrics. And then I'm like, I question myself, am I is my memory failing me? But it's I I'm almost positive the the chorus is my amazement, bewildered a wilderness. But I found online it said something else. It said, I like something like I wait, my my heart waits. My heart waits here. But I remember it being my amazement. That's what I remember, and I remember asking Chris, like, why haven't you guys released this song, or what, like, please play this song more. I love this song, and they started to play it. And I, I mean, I, I, just, that that story makes me sound like I had some sort of say in anything that happened because I absolutely didn't. But I think just my questioning of of what what that song was about, where it came from, and why they don't release it. Chris was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is a good one. I sh- we should start doing that live more.
3: Steve Gorman told us. Yeah. They also recorded Exit at that session. Yeah. Yes. And I think it was two others, and I forget the the names of the songs. And Steve's idea, according to him, was let's just release this as an EP in between albums because these songs are so good. And yeah. for whatever reason, they never did. He thought that session was like one of the, like, he said they were just on fire at that point and you know it was in the middle of the highs the moon tour which if you watch any of those opening videos of no speak no slave and you don't think that's rock and roll you just need to (laughs) find something else to do because that's the definition of (laughs) that is a band that is as locked in as any band i've ever seen it's like one big breathing unit yeah and yeah chris at that point was a lot more of like a traditional front man you know, he was just at the, during that solo, he just dances like a wild man possessed by the devil or something.
1: I know, I know. And that's why I will move on to that being my second, even though it's not listed as number two. No Speak No Slave is one of my top favorite 10 songs because of that performance and that tour specifically with the, the white lights. We've talked about this before, you guys. I mm-hmm. get goosebumps just thinking about it. It was it's just to see that, to be in the audience and to see that and hear that. And then Chris's energy. It just there's nothing like it.
3: It's it's some of the most animated I've ever seen Rich. Yeah, On stage, right,
1: right, right, you know,
3: and and Mark's over there, Mark and Johnny just over there being the two coolest guys, yeah. You know, on the, yeah. and then Steve, I don't know how he didn't have to replace his drums after that song every time because he, I mean, he yeah. is beating them so hard, and he's yeah. wearing the suits. You know, he had the, the Bergen, short hair, and
1: then, the pinstripe suits. Yes,
3: that is that is one of my favorite songs. I like it. I mean, I love it on the album, but I like it so much better live. They have that little bit of a longer lead in. It's yeah. one of your favorites, too, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, I mean,
0: particularly that 92 version. You can't beat that. I mean, that's that's a band that's unparalleled at that time. Probably yeah. the best band of that year and of that whole time period.
3: I am normally not a big fan of bands that play the same set list or, like, have the same opening song. They get a pass on that one because, yeah, it's, it's per- sure. I mean, it's perfect. It is um, perfect. I, I, I have a friend that I went to pharmacy school with, and he knew I was a big Black Crows fan. He said... <laughs>
1: I went to pharmacy school. Oh, sorry. Mine was <laughs> a little bit of a
3: different one, huh? <laughs> I don't think yours was accredited. Um, anyway, he told me he went to, to see the crows and knew nothing about them. And he and he said he still at that point wasn't really a fan of them, but he still says the best concert he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> so yeah. you, you when you and Chris started dating, Southern Harmony had been recorded at that point, right?
1: Yeah. Southern Harmony. It was we started dating like um I wish I could give you guys a, a time that I have it in a journal somewhere and I'll get I'll get that information to you guys. But I, you know, what it would, would also would, would help is the itineraries, which I, I don't have access to right now. They're in, in a, a bin. But remember, I sent you guys pictures of all yeah, the yeah. itineraries. <laughs> yeah. My first itinerary, the earliest one, that would be like when I started seeing Chris because I literally the. He they were in LA for a week. They had a week off and that's when we met. And then they they went back out on tour. And then I went the following weekend and I went, I went to my first place that was Rhode Island. So wherever the Rhode Island gig was, that was my first experience of no speak, no slave like that. And it was mind blowing. I loved it. Couldn't get enough.
3: I mean, how could you not?
1: (laughs) There was a reason for that to open with that. I mean, it just got you It grabbed you. It was like, Fucking pay attention.
3: Your memory is pretty good. So spring break is usually <laughs> spring break is usually middle of March, late March. All right.
1: Right.
3: Providence, Rhode Island, April fifth, nineteen ninety three. That would have been your first show because that would have been a couple of weeks you right after fucking spring break.
1: Rule. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love that you're doing this. It's like I wanted to bring another computer out so that I could look up stuff while we did this this morning. But um, I'm glad you're doing it. That's so awesome.
3: All right. So what's next after no speak?
1: Okay, so, um, nonfiction.
2: If we had a child, I'd like a son, not a daughter. No, she'd be just like you.
1: I mean, come on, that song, the lyrics, the, the that song gets me all the time. I love nonfiction so much. And what is that on um, Amoricon? Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it was on Tall. Yeah.
1: Nonfiction is one of my favorites. And that was something that was written also before uh, Chris and I met. Obviously, like you probably know when they first started playing that.
3: 831 of 92 was the first time they played it. <laughs> okay. Look at I you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love nonfiction.
0: The the wonderful thing about nonfiction is musically it is such a beautiful song and lyrically it is so dark. And, and yeah. I, I, it's such a cool juxtaposition in that song. Yeah.
1: And I think I'm glad you brought that up because I should preface this by saying I tend to lean towards the darker songs in anything I listen to. Mm. What Chris introduced me to Nick Drake, I, I had not heard anything about Nick Drake until I met Chris, and I I know this about myself. Like I like the darker music, unless it, it, the darker songs, unless I'm in a a mood to you know to feel the energy you feel from putting on "Eruption" by Van Halen. <laughs> like I <laughs> I tend to go to the slower, darker things. They just they just move me. They, I, I, it's not that I want to be sad and feel dark. I just I'm just more moved by that kind of stuff.
3: The one of the most fascinating things about this band is at that point, they just didn't give a rip about what anybody thought about them. So they played that song in 1992 on December the 12th at Saturday night live. And that was before the song was ever released.
1: Oh my God. That's You know, most people
3: would kill to have a spot on Saturday night live. And usually, you know, you're going to play your, they played nonfiction on
1: their first appearance of Saturday. Was that their first appearance?
3: Didn't uh, they, they had I two. Think of, it was their second. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And always like you know, it at it, some shows when they jam it out, Chris kind of improvises the lyrics a little bit, and you know that's just that was always a great vehicle for them to play around with sounds and stuff, especially the kind of stuff that like Rich likes to do, make some weird noises every now and then, and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's definitely a definitely a fan favorite. Yeah, it's a great song. So, what's your next one?
1: um since we're you brought up rich let me think of uh something where i just love his (sighs) you know honestly this really was hard i came up with 15 (laughs) and i kept (laughs) editing my list and i'll show you guys i have like four pages of, of edits but i i i'm gonna just stick i'm that's i'm marking down what i say so that i can keep it at 10. Um, so, wh- however, we get there, we get there.
4: Okay. But
1: I put um, specifically for Rich's harmonizing, I put smile. <laughs>
3: first time we ever heard rich sing on an album was on how much for your wings.
2: Oh,
3: and God then, and then we heard <laughs> him on uh, losing my mind on lions. And then they had this one in the can and obviously it, it came out on that band sessions album. But one of the things I think rich does not get enough credit for is how far along his voice has come. You can tell like in those early years, it was it was kind of like, um, almost like he didn't really know how to control it, so to speak. It was kind mm-hmm. of like a, almost kind of like tender and vulnerable sound. And as the years have gone on, his voice has gotten so much more powerful. And he always does a great job of picking the right cover songs. Like he does up on Cripple Creek, you know, Oh Sweet yeah. Nothing by the Velvet <laughs> Underground. But Smile is one that had several different. There's several different versions of it going around. There's one where Chris does it all, and then there's the one that sure. you're talking about with uh with Rich singing on it. Do you remember being around and, and like Rich singing and trying to sing or like Chris kind of nudging me in that direction? Or was it just something that happened?
1: What I remember about Rich doing that was uh I mean, Chris felt like that that he had sort of a tone like Keith Richards in a way, when Keith would would harmonize um specifically um i think the song happy and i i i feel that way when i hear when i hear rich it feels like that like the the rich i I don't recall rich being comfortable enough to like sing on the bus or while we're hanging out but in the studio to lay it down on on a track they would he would be doing it so but he wasn't comfortable enough to sing like that unless he was on stage or, or in the studio and honestly I've never seen him personally do it because for three snakes, they were living in that house. They rented
3: Chateau de Crow.
1: Yeah. And Chris and I were in the bottom floor and Eddie and Yuri were up on the top floor. Rich and Johnny, it would come and go because they lived in Atlanta, but I didn't, you know, there was a locked off area that, that, you know, where they would record stuff. So that wasn't something I got to visually see when they, you know, sometimes they would very rarely get together and write stuff. It would be like rich playing guitar. So so rich would, would have something he wrote a piece of music he wrote and, and Chris would have books and books of, of lyrics like poetry. And I could hear it occasionally in the house, you know, it wasn't often that, that rich came by though, or, or, you know, maybe twice, we went to atlanta and went to rich's house and i actually have a bunch of photos from one day that we were there cuz they all played basketball in the backyard but it was a rarity for them to visit each other's homes at that point back then when we when we were together the whole time it wasn't wasn't like something you would see rich singing you know
0: the way that chris and rich sing together is phenomenal and i think it's something that only brothers have because you notice it with like ray and dave davies or the beach boys even those guys just because their voices are all very similar because they're related they right, fit together right. but i've never heard two voices fit together so nicely as rich and chris's it's, it's yeah. almost perfect
1: it is oh, you know where where you get a good dose of it is um unplugged yeah is mm-hmm. it, that that's a pretty good dose of of, of rich <laughs> chris and rich singing together um but yeah you're right they do have that that I love that too. The what is the band they went out with? Oasis. They have Mm. that too. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay, so let me see. I've given you three. Have I given you three? Or I gave you smile. Then let me look over well wiser time. down wiser
0: time while we're talking about chris and rich singing together
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean wiser time is such a good fucking song and 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 mark's guitar solo and eddie's solo it's just that's that song even even in the depths of my inability to even stop crying or deal with the fact that we were getting divorced. Like I, st- that's uh, like, I, you know, I kind of went on I, I protested against them. Like I'm not fucking listening to that band. Cause it hurts too much, <laughs> but wiser time was the song I couldn't escape from. I had to listen to it. Cause it's so good.
3: I mean, we always joke if like an alien came down and they're like, who are the black crows? We'd go wiser time thorn in my pride in my morning song. That's the yeah. black crows. So that one was done during Tall originally, and then it came out on Morca. And I mean, at that point, you know, they were road dogs and it's just a great song about the road. They jam it out every show. I never get tired of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's so beautiful. I remember the filming. of. I wasn't there. I think they shot, they made that video in Wyoming. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they were on tour and I remember Chris and rich weren't weren't getting along so well that for that shoot because they're in a they're in a car like driving around
0: i mean yeah yeah might not have been the best idea hey the two guys that aren't getting (laughs) along let's put them in a car (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah
3: let's put them right on top of each other for several hours (laughs) right (laughs) right. nice (laughs) what's the next song after wazer time
1: um let's see I want to just look at my list here and make sure, because I'm tra- I'm trying in my mind to have an order. So, under a mountain. Let's do it that. Let's go with under a mountain. <laughs> One that. Of, wonderful, pick. one of
3: the best oh, opening you, songs, man. if not the best opening song in their catalog.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful song. I love that song. And perfume and vol- volume stuck to this. It's so pretty. That's that's Three Snakes. I definitely oh, remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Three Snakes and One Charm is where I fell very deep into the Black Crows. And Under a Mountain is the first time I ever felt a song. Based on its lyrics and its vibe, oh. and what it came across. I mean, that's that's such a that's such a fantastic song.
1: It's so beautiful. Yeah. That record's great. I mean, never never. It was hard for me to. I wanted to pick from a, each different record that I remembered um, them making while while Chris and I were together. But I also wanted to include records I wasn't familiar with. So my list is a little bit jaded. It was really hard to make this list. I got to say, I'm like. Maybe they'll let me just add a couple. <laughs> All right.
3: So so Three Snakes is obviously the darkest album they've ever recorded. And it's not even close. Like, what fueled the darkness? You know, Morica had some dark tunes on it, but it also yeah. had, you know, stuff like yeah. She Gave Good Sunflower and, you know, yeah. High Head yeah. Blues and stuff. But, like, there's not a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, you're right. Because it would have been the fourth. That's the fourth record, right? Three Snakes yep. and One Charm. Is, that's why it's named Three Snakes and One Charm, because it's four that's what i remember chris saying but um that was well so what year what year are they recording that record 96 Well, the winter
0: of 95 they started
1: winter of 95 yeah i mean that would have been like when when pete made the camping trip happen do you guys know about this camping trip
0: no no it sounds like a sitcom what <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it is I wish it was a sitcom. <laughs> um <laughs> okay, so so I sent I sent uh Steve some images because I came across and Steve was like, what do you mean there was a camera on the camping trip? <laughs> 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 I Chris borrowed my camera to you know take photographs of this heavy fucking camping trip to um Yosemite. Mm-hmm. that that uh pete pete was like we've got to get everybody together You've, you we, they all have to go and just fucking tough it out and it was kind of like you know when you, you i went to a treatment center in in um colorado and they made us go on outward bound for a weekend where you mm-hmm. solo camp and you rock climb and you kind of learn all these trust skills to fucking deal with personalities and that's what it reminds me of. Like, nobody wanted to go. <laughs> but yeah, there is a fucking camping trip before that record to try and get to try and get everybody on the same page. I don't I I can't really. All I know is that the vibe was between, the, the issue was Chris and Rich. They were they weren't getting along. And at that point in time, they really couldn't really be in the same room together. They, they couldn't even really be on a on a conference call.
3: But that tension led to some amazing music.
1: Amazing songs. Amazing record.
3: I think that album, for the people that love it, is an album that people have a very personal connection with. Like, Southern Harmony is my favorite album of theirs, but Three Snakes is probably the most personal to me. You know, the songs on there are just so good, and it's... I don't know, I just feel like they took such a huge step forward with that, and... It's a it's a special album. I mean, you you hate it from a personal standpoint. You, obviously you don't want to see anybody have family conflict, but yes. Um, yes. It seems to have created some good music.
1: That record's so beautiful. And downstairs, so the ground level of that house, there was a, a master bedroom that Chris and I were staying on a mattress on the ground and The bathroom had this, had a bunch of tile in it. So Chris would sing in the, in some of the songs in the bathroom because the, the sound from the tile, his voice in there was, was so beautiful. All
3: right. So you're talking about Under a Mountain being written around those three snakes period. And you're talking about sleeping on a mattress and a mattress is in the lyrics. Is that, is that about, is that about you and him?
1: I, I think it is. Um, I don't. Chris never. never there's only if, uh, uh, the songs that Chris like. Definitely said like that's about you would be. Sh- she gave good sunflower. I remember Pete saying like, "I'm so happy that you guys met because Chris is writing such a a happy song." <laughs> and that that felt like a huge compliment coming from Pete. And and uh, I re- also another thing I remember is Rich and Emma when I wasn't doing so well they sent me a a bouquet of sunflowers when I was in a fucking treatment center. It's embarrassing, but, um, they sent me a huge bouquet of sunflowers and that was so sweet. I know. I, you know, I don't know what songs other than that, like the, the other song that Chris was like, this is definitely about you. We broke up, we were together like maybe nine months, almost a year. And we broke up for three months. Chris felt like I was doing too much cocaine, which is <laughs> fucking laughable. At this point, <laughs> I look back and I'm like, "What I was? Um, <laughs> it's comical to me because, <laughs> you know, I would say we—I would never ever think that I was ahead of him. If I—I I, I couldn't even say we were neck and neck in any sort of um, illegal drug use." <laughs> But apparently, at that point, in his mind—he felt like I was—I was winning that race, and need, I needed to get my shit together. So
0: that seems like uh, Jim Carrey <laughs> telling Robin Williams he's a little too animated,
3: you know? <laughs> thank,
1: thank, you, Ian. All right. So what's I after? Know how to put that lightly? What's I'm after sweating. under a mountain?
3: <laughs> what's after under a mountain?
1: Okay. Um, if it ever stops raining.
3: Such a great song.
1: Such a beautiful song, right?
3: It is. Now, so you obviously like that version better than By Your Side.
1: Oh, so it's okay. Thank you. This is that it came out as By Your Side on the the By Your Side record, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I, I my memory of it is is on the band, right? Mm-hmm. It's called Band. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's another song that Chris was, you know, like, this is for you, honey, kind of vibe. Um, I just, it's so pretty to me. That's what I remember it. I remember it as if it ever stops raining. I, I, I'm not familiar with it being called by your side.
3: I like both versions. Obviously the by your side version is a finished product. Whereas the one on band isn't completely finished. But whenever I think of that, I always think of them going on Conan O'Brien right after 9-11. And they played that just, just Chris and Rich with Rich on a, a Telecaster. And it was just kind of a, cathartic moment i guess you could say wow. but yeah that's that's a great song and it's a one of the reasons i like that we have band specifically for that one is you get to see the evolution of the song because they they played with the lyrics a little bit in the course you know obviously it isn't uh if it ever stops raining but uh i like both versions but uh i, mean, I, think, I need
1: to investigate what's the what the difference is between the two versions so it's the
3: core the main difference is the course yeah, it's mostly okay. the chorus
1: yeah. Okay.
3: Um and then like on the band version, Mark is playing some leads in the background over the melody and obviously he's not on by your side and okay. the by your side version is a whole lot more polished. All right, what's after if it ever stops raining?
1: How many did I give you guys by now? Let's see.
3: I don't know. I right. Been having so much fun I lost count.
1: <laughs> I know. I, I did too. I, I I'm st- I'm marking out of- Let me just show you. I've got two books going. Oh man. I don't know what number we're at but I will say after that I'm just going to go off this list and it's sometimes salvation And that video too. I love that. I believe Sofia Coppola directed that video, right?
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: And that was that, that I remember Chris having, um, a love for this photographer, whose name is not going to come to me. There was a, he did the movie kids, Larry Clark. Chris had these beautiful Larry Clark books and he, um, that's what they're is in the video. You see like, the American flag and like a couple making out on a couch. Like that is because of a Larry Clark image. Chris told me that little tidbit of information about that video. It's a lot of Larry Clark in it.
3: That song is one of the definitive Mark Ford moments that solo. Wow. Oh my God. And he told us when he was on here that he was at his wits end with the producer.
1: Who produced two. that?
3: That was George Shaculius.
1: George Aculeius. Yeah. Right. Of course.
3: And that, he just got so frustrated with him. And I think he said it was around midnight and he just said, screw it. And went in there and laid it down and, and left. And he always talks about, he goes, I will never play that solo the same way again. Cause I can't, cause I how angry I was. And he was like, <laughs> I he said that it. he listens to other people play it and he goes, they play it better than I can now. And he said, it's huh. never going to, the emotion that went into, it's never going to be repeated.
1: Did he have, uh, Has he ever said anything or do you guys know anything about the wiser time? Any, any, anything he's ever said about that solo? The only
0: thing Mark ever really said was he just for Amorica as a whole. He said that uh, Jack Puig made him play things too many times, and he felt that the repetition, like he he might, would rather be uh, a little more spontaneous. That's the only thing he kind of mentioned about that. Right, right, right.
1: Because Amorica was was in L.A. Right? Is that where they made Amorica? Conway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it? Was it Conway?
3: I think so. Yeah, it. W- yeah, I thought. I, th- I thought it was part L.A. part Atlanta.
1: Yeah, you're right. It, you're right. There was part Atlanta in there too. All
3: right. What's next on your list?
1: I'm gonna say. I have to say title song. That song's really hard to listen to because I, I feel like that song is about, I just couldn't be honest about my my addiction at that point. And Chris would ask quite a bit. Everybody would ask. I, I was falling asleep, uh, nodding out at the table. You know, it was obvious. And I couldn't, couldn't be honest because I was too afraid. The title song is a beautiful song. It reminds me, I think that's what he was going through at that point uh, with me. It's such a beautiful song. I it's hard to listen to without crying and feeling per, like a personal. Like I just want to say, I'm so sorry. Give him a hug about that song.
3: <laughs>
1: <You know? laughs> All right
3: um, what what's the what's the next one? Number this is my nine. last
1: one, right? Am I? Number, is this, this is number nine. Uh, number nine. Yeah. Okay, pain and eight. Fuck it. Oh. Let's go with pain and eight. <laughs>
0: Good I love that.
4: Do you like oh, that one? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> have never, like
0: that. I, I have never to this day understand what pain and eight means, though. I have no idea, none.
1: Oh fuck, man! I want to give you the answer so bad, but I don't remember. all
3: right Can I give? Can I give you my interpretation?
1: Yes, please, please. All right.
3: I think it's just about being like just on a drug binge, and the person is not going to change, and so they're just going to go another day. And instead of it being seven days, we're just going to put an eight on the door. And they're going to keep going.
1: That's excellent. Excellent. Like they just aren't going to
3: change. So we're just going to keep adding a number to the, to the, you know, the number of days that they're on the binge. That's what I've always thought, but I mean, could be wrong.
1: That's, I think that's pretty spot on though. I would say, I wish I had a recollection of, of why Chris wrote that and what, what it meant. I love stuff like that. Payton Aids a great song.
3: I can't remember if I've heard Chris say this or not. I believe he said that like once he writes the song, it's basically up to whoever to interpret what it's about. It's kind yeah, of their yeah, their thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, that I think that's probably true for a lot of artists, right? It's your interpretation of it, but it's so fun to try and figure out what what, what was going on for, for the Would person. he
3: would he just get like creative bursts? Yeah. You know, or was he just one of these people? I mean, based on everything, you know interviews that that you hear from everything he's very artistic whether it's music or actual art or poetry or, or film comedy yeah. and stuff like that was well, yeah. he one of these people that's mine is just always going in that direction like create 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 or like does he ever just take time off
1: i mean he definitely would take time off but there was there was books journals all over the house you know he would have He, he, I think he would work out of one at a time, and he would make these beautiful collages. I think I told you guys about that before. Our kitchen walls were like kind of a collage of of art that he loved, or funny pictures. Did I tell you guys about the Baskin Robbins giant pink spoon we had up in our kitchen?
3: (laughs) No, but please do.
1: I think Chris paid went into to to Baskin Robbins, and it had a there's a big like probably like a three foot long giant pink spoon right. that's right part of their in-store you know chris paid the 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 guy behind the counter 200 dollars to take the spoon home. <laughs> and it was in our kitchen on the wall
3: that's probably hey. the, one of the greatest things i've ever heard <laughs> that, that, he could just be like he could be like it's an andy warhol piece
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> i mean he just was there was definitely times where where he they knew that they, they were going to be going into this to a rehearsal space or the studio, and Chris would batten down the hatches and get a little more into creating. But he's always he really is so creative. He was always keeping a journal of of stuff that the ideas that he had and art that he loved and. You know there was definitely times where he would take time off and we would just watch stupid silly movies and travel and you know kick back with friends and go to dead shows and whatever but he he really constantly kept like a journal of ideas he's he, if an idea came he'd, he'd, have, he'd write it down
3: what's number 10
1: number 10 okay is it called my heart's killing me That the title of it, yeah. Oh, I thought maybe you guys were going to say no. That that morphed into <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. That one stayed that. Yeah, that
1: is okay. off, that okay. is off
3: those band sessions, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I'm really shocked that song in Wyoming and me that a country artist hasn't taken that and gone with it. It's showing that countryside, but Chris has this ability to you can just feel his pain or whoever's mm-hmm. pain he's he's mm-hmm. singing about. And the way he sings that on this, it just, I don't think he's faking it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, like, I think it's real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Chris was ever, ever any anything he was going through. Um, anybody's experience of pain is that that's their, their experience. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't imagine that you're, you're so right about that. Oh, one sad bird, one sad fence.
0: Wow right as you read oh that lyric, God, it, was, wanna... it was in my mind that was <laughs>
1: right that you really yeah,
0: yeah it was <laughs> right as you said it it was in my
1: <laughs> ah, fuck it's so it's it, it's it, yeah he's that's a beautiful gift he has right there like the, the, to, to just one just one sentence i'm i'm actually experiencing emotions that's what's so fucking amazing it's beautiful it just opening your heart into a piece of music with the, the melody that i mean it's just beautiful
3: It's the way that he sings on the last verse, Will This Crime Ever Go to Trial? Mm -hmm. That I think his delivery on that's one of the most powerful deliveries that he that he's ever done. The great thing about music is sometimes it's cathartic to know that other people are feeling bad too. I know that sounds like that sounds kind of (laughs) like terrible. That's always helped me with music is hey. You know, what I'm going through right now, it sucks, but here's somebody that's been through something possibly a little bit worse and they're able to talk about it. You can at least connect with, I'm not the weirdo that feels like this. Yeah.
0: When you're at a low point, part of that low point is you feel like nobody understands how you're feeling. So to hear something where you feel as somebody does understand what you're feeling, it's actually a, a healing in a way.
1: It is. It's like such an isolating feeling to have dark thoughts like that about yourself and then to, to put them out to, to the world forever it does it, it help that i that's why i tend to go towards the the darker mm-hmm. the darker songs with any any band but this band in particular is so personal to me and i literally feel so thankful that i got to be there for these records and and to participate and i, I thank you guys for helping guide through this <laughs> you're blowing you my could, mind you
3: well that's all because of boa and that, that Crow's Bass website all right. So sure. we're going to play out with a song. Give us one that's, a, that's, that to you is a happier Black Crow song.
1: Mm, I mean, I, I I'm going to be completely me, me, me and say she gave good sidebar. Okay.
3: Well, Lala, first of all, you know, um, you've become a friend of ours and uh, we, we value your your, <laughs> your friendship. But more importantly, that you agree to come on and know that we're not, we're not trying to get on the front page of the national inquiry or anything like that. <laughs> right. You're always welcome to come on here thank and, you uh, so much. and and talk with us. And we'll just, we'll just consider you like our sister. I well, uh,
1: oh, Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate it. And I, I love that, that I've gotten to know you guys a little bit and I feel the support and love from both of you. And I, I hope I can, I hope that you feel it back. What I, what I said earlier about being so thankful to both of you that I have a, sort of a um a space to talk about these these things that I honestly never I don't I can't talk about them like this with, with anybody. They don't know the music or the you know what I mean? Like you guys right. have provided some kind of an incredible gem for me to to give this information, talk about this stuff and process it. And I would never give it up for anything. And I'm so thankful that you guys allow me to engage in it and and get and and I I get to sort of Release a little bit of it. It's cathartic. <laughs> I'm like, woo, shake that shit. I'm ah, okay. <laughs> and they still can enjoy the beauty in it.
3: All right. So we're going to play out with a cool live version of She Gave Good Sunflower, and we're going to throw it to our producer, Jason. Stay tall, everyone.
2: I love you, baby